Why it by them receiving $35 worth of groceries allows them to pay their internet bill? What if that allows them to buy some medicine to send an elderly parent in another country? So people who come is because they need it or they can use it. And if somebody is ready to be online in the cold or in the high heat for more than four hours is because they need it or they can use it. Good morning. This is Epicenter NYC. We connect our communities to news, information, and each other. I'm Andrea Pineda Salgado. When the COVID-19 pandemic hit New York City, food pantries saw a historic number of visitors. Walking around the city, you may have seen lines down streets and around corners. Many of our neighbors, some for the first time in their lives, were experiencing food insecurity and turned to organizations like the Lions Share Food Pantry for help. And while many of us feel as though the worst is behind us, the numbers tell a different story. In fact, this past spring, Lions Share helped more people than ever before. That's a full year past the start of the pandemic. Why? For many, financial aid slowed down or stopped entirely, and savings ran out. They're now faced with impossible decisions, groceries or rent, food or internet. The Lions Share Food Pantry is housed at St. Mark's Church in Jackson Heights. They serve over 350 families every month, sometimes much more than that, who are faced with these decisions. Today, Epicenter's Mitra Kalita speaks with Sylvia Garces, a chair of Lions Share, about what shifts they've seen during the pandemic and how you can help. Before we begin, a quick message from our friends and sponsors at McKinsey & Company. Find out about the biggest ideas in business on McKinsey's Insights app, where you can listen to podcasts like our flagship show, The McKinsey Podcast. We're so not tuned in to the dynamic going on for the current employees. What matters to them most? Or watch our author talk series featuring law professor Dorothy A. Brown. 60% of Black college students don't graduate. And when I came across that statistic, I got so depressed. And read lots of articles about, for example, The Next Normal, where you can learn about the coronavirus's latest impact on business. To hear, see, and read more, download McKinsey's Insights app now. Now, back to the show. Here's Mitra and Sylvia. So Sylvia, thank you again for doing this. As we wind down 2021, we're about to enter the third year of the pandemic. And I was wondering if you could just take us back to March of 2020 and just tell us what it was like from the perspective of the Lions Food Pantry. We started 2020 uh, with an average of 90 clients. And in March, we gather our volunteers. We were very scared. We were wearing double masks. There was a, a feeling of, of, of sadness and scaredness. So despite that, we decided for March to, uh, what do you call it, to pre-pack bags that we gave to our clients. And also we took their names and their numbers in case we had to do any contact tracing. That was followed by the death of our priest, Father Checo. So the Lion's Share Food Pantry is housed at St. Mark's Church. Correct. The pastor of St. Mark's Church 
died of COVID. And was that also in March of 2020? Yes. Okay. So just tell me a little bit about how that news affected the community as well as the food pantry. Because I think for many of us in the neighborhood, those two things are quite synonymous with each other. Indeed. For the volunteers, especially for the leadership, there was a sadness of losing our pastor, but there was also the fear of where is this taking us. And people in Jackson Heights will recall that as March progressed, I know that I came home on the 11th of March, I think, and uh, and I didn't go back to work till the following year. I mean, in in, in person, uh, we will all we will hear with sirens, and so the death of our pastor, uh, let's say, in, it brought COVID home, but as a community, it really hit us, and it made us scared, and it was a cumbersome time, and people just started pouring because it takes to tango. Here we were in the middle of a crisis and the community responded beautifully. By May, we distributed to 200 people, to 200 families. We had never distributed to so many people before and we had enough to distribute. And our numbers went as high as the highest was 523 in April of this year. So that's interesting because that's one year past the beginning of the pandemic. And I think economically, a lot of people think initially COVID hit, but then we started to reopen. And for people who are working from home, especially the difference is they're working from home, but it's business as usual. Your numbers seem to indicate that from a food insecurity perspective, this past spring, it actually might've gotten worse. It got worse and the numbers kept increasing every month all the way to, uh, till April. And I think what it is, is as the schools started opening again, people stopped getting some aids than they were getting, right? If children had to now go to school twice a week, it was more difficult for, let's say, the parent to pick them up and to bring them home or to get a job. Or many people decided, you know what, uh, I didn't have a job before and now I'm definitely not having a job. Or people's savings run out. Tell me a little bit about the demographics of who's been coming to the food bank. So uh, a few years ago, we did a survey. And that survey, where we had under 100 people, resulted that 80% of our clientele were female Hispanic. We had a number of African-Americans, and we also had a a small percentage, let's say 20% of Asians, people from uh, mainly Bangladesh, India, Pakistan, and some people of Chinese. What we started seeing with the pandemic is more people who were white, more people who were Americans and people who were probably residents of Jackson Heights who all of a sudden have eaten up their savings and they have to use whatever income they have to pay either rent or mortgage or utilities. And the only flexibility they have is when it comes to food. And so they come to us for that. 
Then as it progressed, we started seeing an influx of Chinese and Nepalese. What I find is that at least 50% of our clients are senior citizens. When, uh, when we ran our statistics in 2017, we found that 60% were senior citizens and many of them, the head household at a place where there are children in elementary school. And if somebody's listening, the first question will be, how can I help? So there's two ways of help. Actually, three ways. One, if you want to do your monthly exercise and carry boxes, we always welcome volunteers. We buy rice in 50-pound bags and we repack into two-pound bags because it's cheaper for us to buy it at 50 pounds. So we need people to help us. We also accept financial contributions and also in-kind contributions. And if anybody wants to bring in an in-kind contribution, let's say an extra pan of beans because they were five for five dollars and you only need two, bring one. And they are accepted in the parish hall on Monday through Friday from 9.30 a.m. to noon. Sylvia, I think I should tell you my connection to the food pantry And my father, who emigrated here from India in 1971, worked at Citibank. And one of his best friends at Citibank was a guy named Bill Sangster, who's a Jamaican immigrant who lived here in Queens. And Bill's wife, unfortunately, Bill passed away a few years ago, but Cynthia Sangster is a volunteer with the pantry. And she's the one who told me when we launched Epicenter that one of the greatest needs specifically were diapers size three and four. And so we were able to put that call out in our newsletter and get you guys some diapers. So um, every time I pass the food pantry, every time I see the church, I think about my father's relationship with Bill and just kind of how the world really does meet in Jackson Heights, this guy from India, this guy from Jamaica, and, uh, and here we are. So Cynthia, she, she was the chair of the pantry until last year. And then I took over with another colleague with Jorge and uh, she was the driving force and I admire her greatly. And Bill used to quietly work in the closet, uh, putting things away. But in this journey of being in the pantry, Bill taught me the most important lesson. And people would come to me, it's like, how do you know these people need it? And I was discussing something with with Bill and Bill said, Sylvia, people come here because they need it or they can use it. And after he said those words, what came to my mind is, what if somebody by coming and getting a pound of pasta, a can of beans, a can of tuna, a pound of rice. What if somebody, by coming to do that, they're able to afford an ice cream for a child? Why if by them receiving $35 worth of groceries allows them to pay their internet bill? What if that allows them to buy some medicine to send an elderly parent in another country? So he taught me that lesson. People who come is because they need it or they can use it. And if somebody is ready to be online in the cold or in the high heat for more than four hours is because they need it or they can use it. That's so powerful. And so what are the most needed items that people might not even be aware of as being needed? 
uh, we got uh, diapers that time. Uh, now I know it's through you. Uh, and yes, three and four are the most needed. It seems like little babies, they seem to get them from other sources, but once the child starts training or it gets bigger, it's difficult. So diapers, we need adult diapers, believe it or not. And um, I've also, I'm always making calls on the buy nothing groups in Jackson Heights, in Facebook, asking for adult diapers. We need adult diapers. There's many people taking care of elderly, elderly uh, parents. Baby food, um, baby food is not only for children, toiletries, uh, can meet uh, because they are expensive, so not everybody uh, contributes them, um, as well as oil and uh, jam and peanut butter. And that's really helpful because I think a lot of people just take whatever's left over in their pantry and kind of show up with it. And, you know, what I, what I liked about that moment with Cynthia was that she was very specific. It wasn't just diapers. It was size three and four. And so the more specific we can be in what's needed, I think it's helpful to everybody involved. Tell me why you do this volunteer work. I've, I've always volunteered one way or the other in different uh, uh, capacities. And um, I got to St. Mark's because I found them to be such a diverse place. And late Father Checo said, would you like to help us? We have a pantry. Can you help? once a month and he introduced me to Cynthia and I said sure I, I, I can do this I have a background in logistics I worked for 14 years in peacekeeping operations in both New York and the field and I've been able to apply those skills to 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 the pantry especially now that we have uh, grown so much and I do it because I love it um, is there anything else you want people to know so we want people to know that your neighbor may be in need. That food insecurity is not something you see by looking at somebody's faces. That it is real. That we have people who have jobs and they come to our pantry because they are feeding grandchildren, because they don't want to be late in paying their rent because they need to pay their phone bill to be in touch with family or to be able to call 911. So food insecurity is real, is happening. We believe we have a beautiful program now that we're not prepacking bags anymore. We're allowing our clients to choose what they take with them. And this, are, this is something that makes Jackson Heights stronger, I think. Thank you. That's amazing. It's such an incredible story. Also, just, you know, having the almost elasticity to go from 200 families to 500 families, you know, that's just an incredible feat. So congratulations. Like Sylvia said, you won't necessarily notice if one of your neighbors is experiencing food insecurity. Everyone has a different story, different circumstances. But let's remember that while many of us may be returning to work, even traveling again, we can't leave anyone behind. So here's how you can help. The Lions Share Food Pantry distribution takes place on the second Saturday of each month. They typically need volunteers on Friday evenings starting at 6 p.m. and Saturdays starting at 8 a.m. If you're not doing anything this Saturday, please reach out. You can email them at lionshare.stmarks at gmail.com. Check out our show notes for other ways you can get in touch. 
For more ways to get involved in your community, visit us at epicenter-nyc.com. That's all for today. Thanks for listening. And thanks for supporting us as we do our best to support our community. We couldn't do it without you. And if you're not already a member, sign up today by using the link in our show notes. Our intro music is All the Pretty Horses by Karavika. You can find more of their music on their website, linked to in our podcast description.